Are you a Catholic woman who loves your faith, but finds certain aspects of living it out challenging and confusing? Are you a Catholic wife striving for a healthy, holy marriage and sex life, but don't know where to turn for straightforward, faithful, nitty-gritty answers to some of your deep and delicate questions? Are you a Catholic mom who's tired of the compare and despair game we all fall victim to on social media, and are just in need of some solidarity as you discover your own unique motherhood? Are you tired of the sunshine and rainbows pitch and want to lean into the both and of the mess that happens when the truths of our faith get lived in a fallen world? Well, if that's where you find yourself, you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Emily Frazee, your host of the Total Wine Podcast. I'm here to dig deep and tackle topics that we are all curious about, but maybe too afraid to ask. I'll answer it all with honesty and humor because living the faithful life can make you either laugh or cry. And well, laughing burns more calories. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Total Wine Podcast. I will try not to open my podcast episodes by saying hello in a very high-pitched way. Because I had somebody who listened to my last podcast episode, and she was like, yeah, I really loved it. She was like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just not annoying. And I was like, (laughs) Seriously, this is probably the best review I've ever had because I know what she's talking about. Like you listen to some podcast and you're like, oh my gosh, just shoot me in the face. Why am I even listening to this? So seriously, like the fact that I am at least considered by one person to be not annoying is like, oh, thank you. This is like, that really brightened my day. That really brightened my day. Um, But I do want to talk about last podcast episode real quick um, because, okay, listen, first of all, I am a one-woman show. I am not paid for this podcast. I thus far do not acquire money from this podcast. So this is like, I do everything with this podcast in the most free way possible. So far, it's working. But those of you who have listened to my podcast before know that sometimes I run into sound and technical issues. Now, this last episode, here's what happened. I published it, I recorded it, I published it, shot it out into the universe, and then I went back and listened to it, and um, I cringed. Y'all were so kind to be like, this was such a good episode, because oh my gosh, there was like this rubbing sound on the microphone that just kept going, and you want to know what that was? I'm going to tell you what that was. That was my wet hair rubbing on the um, microphone of my headphones. Okay. The content of this podcast, I can promise you, is always going to be stellar. The sound quality, not so much. And, you know, that is like, that is on the horizon, hopefully someday to actually be able to invest in like a whole setup. Like I had this dream of like owning like a big computer and like a sound recording thing. Y'all should see my setup. One of these days I should take a picture and post it and just be like, (laughs) look at this absolute swag setup. So fabulous. Anyway, um, so thank you all for listening to that because I went back and listened to it and I was like, well, I can't take it down and re-record it because first of all, plenty of people have listened to it. And second of all, I can't re-record it. It'll be something totally different. It is what it is. And we're rolling with it. We are rolling with the imperfection, um, which I'm pretty sure like in my first episode, I was like, that's kind of how this is going to go. So thank you for being along for the ride. Thank you for looking past the sound issues and into the, what I'm actually saying. 
and I will try to do my very best. Next time I will listen to the podcast episode and if it does have those types of sound issues for as long as I had them, I'm scrapping the sucker and I'm starting over. As painful as that is, I have scrapped plenty of episodes. There are plenty of episodes I have recorded that have never seen the light of day. And I'm going to make that commitment now that I will actually listen before publishing. Um, but thank you to everybody who listened. I had to crack up, though, because other than the 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 not annoying review, which seriously, like, that absolutely made my day. I was like, <laughs> goals achieved, unlocked. Anyway, um, somebody else was sharing my podcast and she was describing me as somebody who was like a feminist and, and who is more progressive leaning. And I was like, Oh damn. Okay. Whoops. Um, <laughs> I was like, Oh, and it just made me think like, yep, yeah, I probably do come across that way. It's always fascinating to me to see like how I am perceived because we all have our, a perception of ourselves. Like I think of myself this way, but then other people come along and they're like, no, I see you this way. And you're like, what? Really? Like there's, there's so many different images of who we are. And of course the one that we want to discover and the one that we want to live and the one that we want to aspire to is of course the way that God sees us. What does God see? God sees everything. But I just thought it was so fascinating when I saw that word progressive, like I cringed. I was like, oh gosh, no, what have I done wrong? And then I stopped and I was like, no, that's okay that somebody sees my work and, and thinks of it as progressive because I'm willing to have conversations about feminism and, and the positive sides of it. And I'm willing to have a lot of conversations about sex and I use anatomically appropriate terminology. And these are not things that we think of as being, you know, the, I mean, these are very taboo topics. These are not things that quote unquote traditional Catholics are going to spend a lot of time talking about, or at least not in the way that I do. And so I totally understand how that kind of puts me in the progressive box. But then I started thinking, I was like, man, yeah, we really do kind of have this. We really do want to put people in a box. And it's like the only box that I want to be put into is a Catholic box. That's it. I want to be put into a Catholic box. I don't want to be put into a progressive or a traditional box by our contemporary definitions of those terms. I just want to be put in a Catholic box because like I am very traditional. I go to mass every Sunday. I try to pray as, you know, as much as I can with as a mom of three, you know, that's, that's a podcast for another day and probably podcasts I've already done. Um, I very traditional gender roles in my home. My husband works. I am a stay at home mother. We, I'm a, I'm a white suburban housewife. Okay. It doesn't get more traditional than that. Um, I, you know, I am the one who does the cooking. Now, we probably do break gender norms because my husband is the one who vacuums and does the laundry. Um, you know, which according to some trad men these days, from what I've seen, apparently makes him not a man. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I've railed on you enough for the time being. Um, but yeah, I am definitely like my my ideal mass if i if somebody came to me and was like emily if you could change the mass you attend right now what would you change have the priest face the tabernacle and turn his back to the people make him ad orientum change nothing else change that i am a happy girl oh and put some altar rails up happy girl i would love to see these things at my church um so yeah by that definition i am definitely falling in a more like traditionalist catholic 
camp. Um, but yeah, there's probably a lot of things that would put me in a more progressive box. Like I'm going to, I'm going to say words like clitoris and vulva, and I'm going to talk to my daughter about these, you know, I'm going to, we're using appropriate anatomical terminology and I'm talking about how sex should be mutual and pleasurable for both. And no, it's not something that a woman owes to her husband. I'm sorry that you misquoted scripture and a billion saints that, you know, said things that are not dogmatic, but anyway, story for another day. Um, it's just interesting that I think that we we want to put people in a box because we want to make them make sense to us. And it's a much harder thing to just let people not be in a box. You know, like we're going to the the box again, box that I want to be put in is a Catholic box. And if I if I fit nicely in a Catholic box, I don't fit nicely in a traditional box or a progressive box again according to the way that we define them right now define those terms right now I don't want to fit in either of those camps because there's plenty of things that's good about both and there's plenty of things that I'm like I don't want to touch any of that with a 10-foot pole on either side um anyway but it was just interesting and so I just wanted to start with you know just kind of an inane conversation about boxes to segue into the actual conversation that I want to have about cussing Yay! Here we go. This was actually a podcast that was requested before Christmas. Somebody dropped a question in my cue box. I was like, oh, I actually, I would love to do a podcast episode about this because um, this is something that I really struggle with, with language. Um, and it's, here's going to be my challenge to myself. Um, I think I already said damn. Okay, so I've already said one cuss word. Um but I'm going to try to limit the profanity in a uh, podcast about profanity. Um, so this is a challenge to myself. And I'm going to see how many ways I can not cuss but describe what I'm talking about. Okay, this is my linguistic challenge. Um, so I did a little bit of research and I found a, a an article on Catholic Answers that I was like, this feels a little bit hardline scrupulous. So then I listened to um, a YouTube video that Father Mike Schmitz did and kind of took these things in. So what I'm going to give you is my opinion. It is in no way, shape or form dogmatic. And really what I want to have a conversation about is the fact that apparently according to the responses to... Um, the thing that I posted in my stories, this is something of interest to a lot of people because this is something that we, a lot, a lot of us struggle with. Uh, I think our relationship with cussing is worth examining and worth getting curious about. Um, so for me, for example, I started cussing in college, like sailor mouth on steroids cussing. And if you look at the context in which it happened, um, I was in architecture school I decided that I was no longer going to go to church because I didn't have time to go to church. I needed to invest every single second I had into architecture school in order to be a good student. Um, and I lost sleep and I lost friends and there was no balance in my life. And that was when I started using a lot of profanity. And I mean, if you just kind of look at that context, it's like, it makes sense. Like I didn't have any spiritual buffers. I didn't have any good community. And I was so sleep deprived. Plus in architecture school, I don't know if you know this, but it's a male dominated field. So I'm around a bunch of dudes who drop F-bombs all day. Well, I mean, you know, 
you can only swim upstream so long when you're sleep deprived before you're like, nah, screw it. We're going downstream. So that's where it all started for me. And I know everybody's story with this is different. Um, but I think it's important that if we have a habit of using cuss words, um, that we first of all stop and get curious about how did I get started? Where did this start? And if I'm honest, the reason why it is so hard for me to break this habit is because cussing actually, um, or just being willing to use language, kind of like it, it lets people's defenses down. Again, it's like one of those things where like people try to put me in a box and this breaks me out of that box, you know? I'm sitting here in like these, uh, oh, what's the name of this jeweler? Like David not David Burton, knockoff pearl earrings that are hand-me-downs from my grandmother, inherited from my grandmother. And um, yeah, I love to cook and eat on fine china, but like I still drop F-bombs and I drink scotch. You know, like these are the things that just kind of like shake up your opinion of me. It's like, oh, I can't, I can't stick her in this box. And I like that aspect of it. I like that being willing to say a, f a well-placed four-letter word makes people more willing to talk to me about faith things. That's happened so many times. And if I'm honest about it, that's why it is super hard for me to even consider giving up the habit, although I have considered giving up the habit. I would like to give up the habit. But it's a habit. I want to circle back because... Um, in both the Catholic Answers article that I read and the Father Mike Schmidt's video that I watched, there was a distinction made between profanity, like, you know, your classic four-letter words, um, and cursing someone and taking the Lord's name in vain. So basically, they were kind of putting all these under the same umbrella, but obviously there's a distinction between the three using profanity is not going to be as big of a deal as actually like cursing someone, like calling somebody an SOB, right? Um, or referring to somebody as an SOB, because now you have the added issue of, you know, you're, um, you're speaking disparagingly, disparagingly and maybe, maybe even gossiping about somebody with your speech. So there's that issue. And then obviously taking the Lord's name in vain, never okay for any reason. Um, so there's like different categories. So I really want to kind of hone in more on the profanity, um, in the rest of this episode. Again, like thinking about for you personally, like if this is something that you struggle with and, um, you want to give up, I mean, it's something that I'm bringing up literally every time I go to confession. This is something I am perpetually working on and perpetually failing at. Um, I think if we look at how this stuff starts, maybe some of us grew up in families where it wasn't weird to hear a lot of profanity. So this is, there's a whole different paradigm from which we approach this. Um, maybe you kind of have a similar story to me that using profanity kind of gets you, um, as a community or gets you in quote unquote into places or with people that maybe you wouldn't otherwise you're able to go deeper um, because it's like, oh, you're Catholic, but like you cuss. Okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like there's this, it gives you this edginess that people can relate to. Um, I actually had another friend who one of her things was she felt like she had a right to say these things. It was like this, no, like I should be able to say this. So I'm going to say it. 
Um, so whatever's going on there, I think there is, we have to be curious and honest about the psychological aspect as like, what is, what is our mental state? What are our beliefs around this? How does this affect our life um, in both positive and negative ways? Um, but the thing that I was kind of honing in on with profanity for me personally is I think where I think like the, the issue comes to terms for me is like, there's a level of what I'm going to use now. I'm going to use a word. Everybody's going to cringe, relax, calm down. It's immodesty of speech. I know everybody just like puked up a little in their throat. I'm sorry. Okay. So let's drill down on what I'm talking about here. I even admitted that I enjoy dropping some profanity here and there because people can't put me into a box. It gives me like some edge, you know, um, some relatability, that type of thing. If I'm honest, a lot of the context in which I'm using that are very prideful. It's like, oh yeah, look at me. I'm like, yeah, you wanted to put me in that box, but you couldn't. Yes. It's about it's like, it's going back to high school. It's about being cool. Okay. It's like, I guess back in the fifties, it was smoking cigarettes. Now it's Catholics who cuss. Um, that's basically the version. And that's really what I have to be careful about is it, what do what, what do I mean with it by saying immodesty of speech? Well, okay. So let's think about what this word modesty actually means. Now, I know everybody's like, it means you got to cover your collarbone or no, two finger widths below your collarbone and don't show your knees. Okay. Yes. I know that that's how some people define it. And we love them because God loves them, but <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. Modesty is about a, a total holistic disposition that is first and foremost an interior disposition that recognizes both my own intrinsic dignity as somebody made in the image and likeness of God and the intrinsic dignity of every single person I encounter. Modesty is about, is about establishing um, healthy relationships in a lot of ways. Really, like if you really drill down on it, it's about governing, tempering behaviors and speech and dress in such a way that you are approachable. If you actually go back in Paul's letters and you look at the context in which he's talking about modesty, he's talking about women not doing, adding any extra adornment. He's talking about wealthy women, how they braid their hair and how they wear all this fancy jewelry and, you know, all those types of things. It was about like, these people were not approachable, right? Like they're approachable by some people, but not by everyone. And this kind of gets a little muddled because it's like, well, wait, Emily, does that mean that like, I just have to not be myself? I have to be just a chameleon, which I mean, like I lose my sense of self. No, it's recognizing it's, it's, it's a constant dance and it's a constant work in progress of figuring out who you are and that you knowing that you are a gift and who you are is not like anybody else. And that's the way God designed you. And that is good. And that's something that needs to be shared with the world. And also we need to go into the world with consideration for others, with the awareness that we live in a fallen world and the way that we dress and the way that we speak is going to be judged. Now we're not responsible for the judgments, 
Uh, but we are responsible for our intentions. And so that's what I mean by immodesty of speech. What is my intention when I'm using profanity? Is it to just kind of give myself an edge and be cool? Or is it like I dropped a brick on my foot and something flew out? You know, there's a difference there. There's a huge difference there. We kind of have to sit and wrestle with that with that difference. Um, I mean, ultimately, like, I, if I'm being honest, I don't really have a, a huge problem with profanity. Like, I, I'm one of those people who, I like being around people who don't mind cussing. There's a, I get to kind of relax around these people. I know I can say things that's not going to bother them. So I, this is something that I still struggle with. But again, I think the reason why we're, you know, using cuss words matters. Like, what's the intention? Um, something that was really impressed on me, um, not too long ago, I think it was Jim Gaffigan who was talking about, you know, being a quote unquote family friendly comedian, which basically means that his, his comedy shows are clean. Like they don't have any language in them. Like you can take the kids to see them, not because they're going to understand the jokes or relate to the jokes, but because there's not going to be any cuss words. So kids can go, Right. Um, which by the way, was another really good point that father Mike Schmitz brought up. It's like, it matters like who you're dropping this language in front of. If you're dropping it in front of little ears, like, eh, that's not okay. Right. And this kind of comes back to what I'm talking about with like modesty of speech, that consideration for others. Um, but Jim Gaffigan talked about being a quote unquote family friendly comic. And he was like, it's actually a lot harder to write an entire comedy show without language in it, without any profanity. And I started thinking, I was like, wow. He was like, you have to be, you have to know so many more words if you're not going to cuss in your show. And it just really shifted the perspective on me. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, sometimes profanity is just lazy language. It's lazy speech. And... um. I, I watched a show by Cat Williams for like maybe five seconds and literally every other word was an F-bomb. It's like, that's extremely lazy, lazy speech. Like, yeah, he's funny. He's hilarious. But you, every other word is an F-bomb. And it's like, okay, at a certain point, it's like talking to a valley girl whose every other word is like. It's equally as annoying. There's other words in the English language. Let's use them. Words are fun. Words are cool. Um, I wrote a Substack article, like finally, after months of not writing, I wrote a Substack article and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let myself have fun and I'm going to use words that, you know, like, am I going over the top with this? Yes, but I'm going to do it anyway because words are fun and I'm going to sound super snooty. I don't even care. I'm just going to allow myself to have fun. And I pulled out words like cacophony and anathema. And I was like, Ooh, this is so much words are fun to me. And I think I just had so much more respect for comedians who don't use language in their shows, even though there's also that element of when you watch comedy shows where there is no language, there is a level of like, oh, is it because you're like, you're Christian and you're snooty about it and you're going to look down on me if I do cuss? Maybe that's an element of this too, is that if we're around somebody who doesn't use any language, we feel judged. 
And so there's part of, again, this kind of comes back to what I was talking about with there being some relatability in, you know, dropping some language here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really have like a grand big conclusion. I just think that this is something that if this is a habit, if this is a habit that you have a hard time controlling, definitely worth some self-examination. If you are using language like in scenarios where you're gossiping about somebody or you're using it in anger um, or really like F-bombs are the F word is describing it's a slang word for the sacred act between a husband and a wife. This was another point that Father Mike Schmitz brought up. It's like, yeah, probably shouldn't be using that one. Um, dang it. Anyway. <laughs> Probably shouldn't be using that one because it's making something very sacred, very profane. Just really, just a lot of like food for thought, food to chew on. Um, Father Mike actually did mention, he was like, sometimes a well-placed, you know, lower tier profanity is like, is not the worst thing in the world. Um, now the Catholic Answers article was pretty definitive that all of this is sinful. And I have a hard time with that. I'm going to be honest. They're probably, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like, I don't feel like that should be right, but it probably is right. I just, you know, I haven't sat with that long enough. Um, but then also another thing that I had been thinking about with this topic is how profanity varies over different cultures. And again, this comes back to this modesty of speech thing and the consideration of other people. Um, British people cuss like crazy. I don't know if you guys have ever watched unedited, kind of off-the-cuff British shows. But, oh my gosh, it's very colorful language. Very colorful language that would never fly here in the U.S. Um, and from what I, at least from what I gather, it's like they're, they're a lot more comfortable. It's not as, to use a word that I use in my Substack article, anathema in their in their culture and part is part of the moray. Now, whether or not it should be or shouldn't be, well, okay, that's a debate worth having. Um, I also learned there's these phrases in um, Australia, which crack me up. Um, one of them that I heard was, uh, we're not here to F spiders, which means that we're not here to like beat around the bush. Uh, the other one, was like when you're surprised to say, well, F me dead. And I was just like, first of all, I want to be around Australian people more. Can we go to a bar? Because you sound delightful. I don't want to go to your country because you have too many things there that are cute that can kill you. Um, <laughs> just no. Um, but you sound like delightful people. Let's hang out at a bar. This would be really fun. So I think there's there's also a cultural level here and we can't deny the fact that the U.S. So we have very puritanical roots and how that affects the way that we, we view things. And so there's cultural mores and then there is transcendent truth and which is which in this case. I don't know. I'm just saying that, hey, I know that there is transcendent truth here and I know that there are cultural mores. And if the cultural mores are in contradiction to transcendent truth, well, even though that they're fine culturally, they're actually not fine, right? Um, so what that looks like, I don't know, but it's just something to consider in this. So again, I'm not coming out of this with like any grand conclusions, just maybe let's just talk about this. Let's talk about using language. Let's talk about how we struggle with it. Let's talk about 
why we do it. Um, let's talk about why it's hard to stop if we want to stop. Let's talk about why we should stop. I like, let's put all these questions on the table and just have a discussion with, um, all these things that I've been mentioning. Um, yeah, this is a very unsatisfying end to a podcast episode, but I kind of wanted it to be that way. I don't want to say anything definitive because this is something I'm still struggling with. And I enjoyed kind of looking into this and thinking about it once the question came up and just wanted to share some of my thoughts about this. Um, I will probably still struggle with this. Um, the friend of mine who said that she felt like she had a right to to use profanity, she was like, you know, a priest told her that once you take this lion out of its cage, it's impossible to shove it back in. And man, I felt that. But you know, with God, all things are possible, you know? And I think it's this kind of limiting idea that the only way I can be relatable to other people is to use profanity. Like, honestly, as I'm saying that out loud right now, how limiting of God? You know, if he wants me to reach people, why do I need a cuss to do it? It's lazy. And there's way better ways. So yeah, I'll leave it there. If I remember, I will put the links to the Father Mike Schmidt's video and the Catholic Answers article in the show notes if you're interested in looking at those. The Father Mike video, I think, was like six minutes, so it's a nice, easy one. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I don't have any definitive answers because, yeah, again, this is something I'm still struggling with, but apparently a lot of you are too. So if nothing else, I'm here for solidarity. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope it brightened your day and that you laughed as much as you learned. If you're enjoying the show and want more people to learn about what I share here, please leave a review and even share with a friend. I hope you'll join me again soon. Until then.